Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is July 17th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my friend? Hot. <laughs> we, finally got, <laughs> we finally got a BC summer here as well. Uh, Saskatchewan, yeah. typically July is our hottest month, and it was... Well, I jumped in the truck yesterday. It was 39 in the truck, but it was, uh, I think 36 was our high yesterday. And that's, that's brutal. Yeah, we've hit, uh, I think we hit 38 one day, uh, but we've mostly been around the 31, 32 degrees, which is not too bad. But when your June was 18 or 20, and then overnight it's 31 or 32 it's it's a big jump especially when uh you know you work outside yeah one heck of an adjustment it's uh but it's welcome yeah. i mean i'm happy to have it and all that heat helps uh helps our crops grow a bit more helps saskatchewan feed the world so we definitely need that yeah you're gonna need that especially if you're not going to be allowed to use fertilizer oh yes and um i don't know if we'll get to that one on this show but uh yeah that one's gonna be one of those ones that's Going to hit the news cycle hard soon, Canada. Yeah, we talked about that last show. Yeah, that's about, right. and it's and it's starting to you're starting to hear about it in the media, um, but not. I mean, you're mostly hearing about it in relation to uh, Europe at the moment, but uh, but it's coming here because Trudeau wants a thirty percent cut or something like that. So yeah. 30% by 2030. So um, another yeah. issue, by the way, just a little housekeeping issue here. Um, we did get some messages about last week's show because our audio was actually kind of awful. I really apologize for that. I don't really know what happened, but we've made a couple of changes here. So uh, we did a little test run before the show started and it was sounding great on the recording. So hoping it's going to sound just as great with this recording, Canada. So let's just jump right into it. On the show, yeah, cause, oh, sorry, go ahead. Cause, yeah, because our, our sound quality was so bad last week that I was I listened back to it after we got that message and uh, or those messages, <laughs> and uh, and I was like, Holy man, you don't even get to hear any of my brilliance, yeah, and, and we need your brilliance. <laughs> Canada needs you, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully we got a better connection now. I uh, I really appreciate your Facebook messages, uh, listener Josh, and some very kind words about the show. And I definitely appreciated that. That uh, about the audio, we've taken this step to fix it, and hopefully uh, it's an improvement. So, all right. So on the show today, the greatest outdoor show on earth, flooded by politicians. Russia can now flood Europe with gas, thanks to Canada. Kamloops, what the hell? Is there a possibility of a fall election? And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start with, uh, let's start with the stampede. Yep, you know, and... The Calgary Stampede, and it is, they do call themselves the greatest outdoor show on earth. And it's fantastic. I mean, if you're into any kind of rodeo events, the rodeos are the where all the cream of the crop 
flock to. And I was quite enjoying watching barrel racing over the last few days, which I haven't watched for years. But um, what's even funnier is watching every politician in the country swarming into Calgary, putting on of their white cowboy hats and getting out into the crowds. Side note, former Alberta Premier Rachel Notley actually had her white cowboy hat on backwards on her first stampede. But, <laughs> but yep, uh, Pierre Trudeau, oops, Pierre Polyev, Justin Trudeau, all made appearances. Jean Charest without a cowboy hat, Danielle Smith, Brian Jean, Jason Kenny, they were all flocking through the stampede to flip some pancakes and pretend that they belong in a white cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I ha- I kind of hate to see the stampede get this politicized. Um w- like when I lived in Calgary, I lived there for 5 years and stampede was like it takes over the city. Like anybody who has not been to Calgary during stampede, you have no idea the the rodeo takes over the entire city. It's I mean, not very many people actually go to the rodeo. I mean, the 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 grandstands sell out, but if you compare how many people can actually go to the rodeo compared to how many people can go to the uh, uh, to the to the to the stampede grounds to take part in concerts, the midway, the the shows, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and how many people take part in stampede breakfasts and stampede barbecues all over the city? Like when, when the, it, it's amazing. Like when the stampede starts, basically all productivity at work stops because it is 10 days of stampede parties, stampede barbecues, stampede breakfasts. And it's all like, your employer does not expect you to get very much done in those 10 days. That's true. Yeah, you're right. It does. It takes over the city and, and the whole city gets into it. I mean, everybody is putting on their cowboy hats and their cowboy boots and their jeans and their, their, you know, Western shirts and stuff. So it's, it's really cool to see if you, and like you say, if you haven't seen it go, it's, uh, it is pretty amazing. And uh, yeah, every bloody politician was there. I got to give Pierre Polyev some credit. I mean, he grew up in Calgary, so at least he he actually looked like he belonged there. He actually seemed like he was comfortable at the Stampede because he probably went every year as a kid, so it's probably uh, second nature for him just to, to fit in. Yeah, and I'll tell you who did not look comfortable there was Jean Charest and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and Justin Trudeau. Like, neither of them looked comfortable. Well, and John Charest is probably the only politician in Canada clueless enough to show up at Stampede with his navy blue blazer and no cowboy hat. And I thought, if you're trying to appeal to the masses here, when you see everybody else is donning the cowboy gear, let's just show how out of touch you really are by Going up in your blue blazer. Yeah, if anything shows that that he has no idea about Western Canadian 
culture or Western Canadian uh, uh, people, this this is one of those giant red flags. Oh yeah, absolutely is. So um, <laughs> yeah, so way to go, Jean Charest. And I actually got to say, way to go, CBC. You managed to take fake news to one more level, and um, I'm not surprised, but. You're earning that one point, what is it, one point five, one point six billion we give them every year? Yeah. yeah, they're certainly trying to earn that. Yeah, so what we're talking about is CBC published a photo of Justin Trudeau being swarmed by admirers of the Calgary Stampede. What year was that photo from, Lewis? Oh, I am not sure what year it was, but it is not this year. 2018. Yeah. <laughs> so three what, years ago or four years ago. Four years four ago. Four years when, ago. When he actually had admirers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause there was an uh I believe it was in a, a a Canadian press article. Um and the title was something along the lines of uh Trudeau mobbed by admirers at Stampede. And this article was picked up by every single newspaper, every single news website across the country. It was unbelievable, to be quite honest. I haven't seen very many articles that every single publication prints or printed like this in a long, long time. And the thing is, is that it was it was all it was all bs sorry i was about to swear there it, it was it's all bs he it, trudeau was not mobbed by admirers i'm sure he had you know three or four admirers that that came up to him and told him how awesome he is but the people with brains which is most of them didn't like this is not the reality at Stampede this year, he was yelled at. He was there was people chanting, uh, and it wasn't chanting. It was chanting like ex- expletives at him. It wasn't niceties. Um, he was told like he was yelled at to to go away, to not come back. All this kind of stuff. It was not a friendly environment for him this year. No, and. He's even getting heckled in liberal ridings in Ontario these days. So it's it's a uh, it's a rough ride for Mr. Trudeau. And and of course, I look at him with his white cowboy hat and his and his cowboy shirt and just think that hey, he's playing dress up again. Yeah. Even if he tried to be authentic, I think he's uh, yeah, it's just not going to work for him now because he's he's done the dress up thing too many times. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, it, it, he doesn't look comfortable wearing a cowboy hat and belt buckle and all that. Like he, uh, it, because it's not him. He 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 looks down on people like that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. All right. So before we go on to the next topic, I uh, do want one more housekeeping note here. We really appreciate the voice messages you send to us and the, the Facebook messages, the emails. Now, the very first listener who started the whole voice messages thing was listener Mackenzie. And, well, you haven't let us down, Mackenzie. It's, uh, you're always there for us and for Canada. He had point, sent us a message uh, talking about 
COVID-19 tracing in reference to our discussions of the, the ArriveCan app tracking people in our previous episode 176. And um, actually, we'll just play his message out here for you in total because he's, uh, well, he's right over the target. And yeah, you better hear what he has to say. Hey guys, uh, Mackenzie here again. Um, I was listening to your episode there, 176, and you guys have been talking about uh, the COVID tracking apps and stuff like that. Uh, Somebody recently showed me something on an update on my cell phone. If you uh, search on an Android device and and an iPhone, you search uh, COVID-19 exposure notifications. You search it somewhere in your settings on your phone. There's actually an update that happened to cell phones and this exposure app. It, If it's turned on, it would tell you if someone around you had been exposed to COVID, whether they really were or they weren't. I don't know how it works. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Go into your phones and see if that's actually on or off. COVID-19 exposure notifications. Wow, that's... Uh, I, I actually went to my phone and checked in and did the search COVID-19 tracing and what do you know it come up I had a tab on my phone saying uh, that I could turn that on and I'm like um, screw you thankfully it's not turned on yeah yeah when when I listened to that message I went to my phone and I checked and I didn't find anything and that's because I was looking in the wrong spot (laughs) (laughs) Um, because in order to find it you uh if you if you're on an android phone like i am and like uh like like tony is uh if you swipe up on your home screen and get your app tray uh where all of your apps are stored and iphone users won't understand this because this is not how iphones work uh but if you if you go to your home screen swipe up get your app tray and then uh go to the search bar and type in COVID-19, it will come up with a COVID-19 exposure uh, toggle switch that you can turn on, and it will notify you of, 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 peop- of people who have had COVID-19 near you. Well, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't turn that on, because, like... I mean, it, it's it's default setting is off, which is good. So don't turn it on. But if you want to see, you know how how invasive, not just the cell phone companies and, and and all of that are, but I mean our federal government and and all that. I mean, how many how many apps have the federal government had to admit are tracking people's movements? I mean, I think it's like three so far. Um, and uh, and we and now we also know that the ArriveCan app is tracking your movement. So as soon as you you know come back from your holiday, remove that app like immediately. Like just get rid of it. And then you know if you're going to travel again, load it right before you go. But but just get rid of it because it's tracking everywhere you go. It tracks people who like foreigners who come to Canada, they have to, because of COVID-19 have to tell the government where they're planning on going. And then the app tracks where they go um, to make sure that they actually went to the places that they said they were going to. Um, But, uh, but yeah, your phone is doing the same thing. So make sure you keep that off. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. That's just uh, wow, that's scary as hell. So, all yeah. right. So, Canada decided to involve itself on the other side of the war in Ukraine. We had two or three uh, turbines for the Nord Stream gas pipeline, which uh, is that pipeline that's piping gas underneath the the Baltic Sea or the North Sea, no, the Baltic Sea, to from Russia to Germany, and. Because of sanctions, these turbines had been sitting at Siemens Corporation in Montreal, where they had been getting serviced, and they weren't going back to Russia. Well, Siemens, being a German company, I'm not sure if they were involved, but the German government pressured Canada to return these these turbines, not directly to Russia, but to Germany, so Germany could give them to Russia, with that 700% increase in the price of natural gas in Europe, that might put a few rubles in Vladimir Putin's war chest, don't you think? Yeah, but Germany kind of doesn't have a choice. Germany's <laughs> running out of energy. Yep, and winter's coming up, so they really got to get their stockpiles up. Well, here, here's like, Germany is one of the countries that made the biggest push on solar and wind and despite all this they natural gas is still their primary energy source and what germany has been doing lately since the war in ukraine broke out and uh and energy supply has been uh you know they've been trying not to buy natural gas from from russia is they have started firing up their coal-fired power plants again um so yeah uh germany kind of doesn't have a choice they need that natural gas yeah well what's funny is they've they've they're still going ahead with decommissioning three nuclear power plants and then even the eu uh environmental commission or whatever it's actually called has now said that oh no nuclear is now considered to be a form of green energy so really germany is just shooting themselves in the foot left right and center so yeah without that natural gas they're going to be screwed but boy oh boy did justin trudeau ever make himself unpopular with the ukrainian canadian congress oh boy did he ever but here's the thing like uh germany is decommissioning three more nuclear power plants and this all started this this decommissioning of of nuclear power plants around the world started after fukushima and the uh the the uh uh, the meltdown yeah the meltdown they had because of the uh tsunami um the problem is is that nuclear power is the greenest energy we have on this planet. Like yeah, it's zero so, emission. Yeah, it's zero emission. They have they have methods to deal with the nuclear waste now that are safe. They uh, they can actually use the nuclear waste to turn into batteries now. They there's there's things they can do. There's there's uh, there's technology that they're using to be able to recycle the uh, the the fuel rods and um, and to uh, also render it uh, inert. Um, there's there's different things that are happening, and 
the thing is, is that uh, nuclear energy is what is it, that is what we need. I mean, look at Texas right now. Tesla is asking all their owners to not plug in during the day because it's putting too much strain on the Texas uh, power grid. Yeah, I'd read that. They said don't plug your charge or don't charge your cars between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m., which is, I guess, when the peak demand is. Then you think, okay, so now you got to charge your Teslas overnight. Um, hey, maybe we uh, should have thought about this before we encourage everybody to go electric. Yeah. Like, this is what you and I have been saying for years on this show, is that our power grids are not sufficient for everyone to go electric vehicles. Uh, Our power generation is not sufficient. Yet, we're telling everybody to go buy electric cars, but we're not building up the power generation. We're not building up our, our grids I mean, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah. We are seriously asking for trouble. And, yeah, that alarm bell has been rung in Canada as well. It, it said that right now we've got the infrastructure and the, uh, the power grids that really you could only have a couple of electric vehicles on every block in our cities. Yet we keep saying, oh, no, everybody's got to go electric. Well, yeah, you're, you're hearing it now. I mean, they even... Tesla is coming out saying, um, "Yeah, we, we don't want to charge this. Charge them for you know a good part of the afternoon. Ridiculous." Yeah. Huh. All right. So, speaking of ridiculous, you uh, brought another angle of Kamloops up to me. Now, we had shared a, a article on our Facebook page about the alleged grave sites, and Lewis, I know that you know. Who was the first person in the the political commentary space in Canada who had said right at the very start, May of last year, to hit the pause button, hold on, there's something not right about these 215 unmarked graves. Remember who that was? Oh, boy. Uh, Let me think about this. It was me. It was you. You were the first one who said... (laughs) You're not calling BS, but you are saying we had better look at this a little more thoroughly. Yeah. And, and like, now we have. <laughs> if we have. And now we've seen, like, we've already seen one uh, article that was written a few months back calling into question the validity of the methods used to discover these 215 graves in Kamloops and the, what, nearly 2000 across the country. Uh, And now another article that we posted to our Facebook page. uh, So go have a look at that. uh, That talks about, there's been several excavations on the Kamloops uh, residential school site where they claim that these 215 grave sites are. There's been several excavations over the past, what, 70 years? And nothing has, no human remains have ever been found. Yeah, and I, I thought it was funny that was one of the reactions was, well, maybe they're all concentrated in one spot. 
that's that, that's not what they initially said with their initial ground penetrating radar which said uh oh there were anomalies um yeah yeah there's anomalies but probably because they excavated for that orchard and for that uh that sewage pond and whatnot so um it's starting to look a little bit more like oh my god lewis like you were right yeah well I mean, if you think about it, if there was an orchard there before, those anomalies could just be the root systems for each individual tree. Okay. Right? Um, that those root systems have rotted out, and they're gone now, but the, uh, but the, uh, the, the, the disturbance in the soil, or the, the anomaly in the soil, is the void space left by the rotted out root systems or where they were or where the root systems are pulled out of the ground if they were pulled out of the ground right and the soil is is looser than it is than the soil around it and then that's what that radar shows it doesn't show bodies it doesn't show grave sites it doesn't show anything it all it says is there's a disturbance here or there's an anomaly here the soil in this area is less dense than the soil around it that's that's all it says I mean, I've got personal experience of this in a, from a previous career. It, it does not show you anything. Okay. Well, that, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you've mentioned that before. So it's, uh, so it's starting to look now like, um, well, there may very well be some, some quote, unmarked graves. There very, may very well be some, some human remains underground at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. But as we said right from the very start, most of these sites, <clears throat> excuse me, hosted community cemeteries nearby. And yep. like the the lady who was a former chief in Granbrook, I believe it was, who had said, yeah, the, the community used this site and, you know, my parents were buried here. And yeah, there was a fire that had come through that had destroyed most of the the wooden grave markers and that might end up being the case in Kamloops or it might end up being the case that there's actually nothing at all because that's what's been found so far nothing yeah exactly and, and you know one of the things that rang alarm bells with me right away was was when they said there's 215 grave sites they're all children and some of them as young as three or something like that and and I immediately went wait how do you know that unless you actually know who's buried there already? Like, so either you know about this graveyard and you know who's buried there or you don't. Well, because no, no ground penetrating radar is going to tell you that there's a three-year-old buried there. Sorry. just not going to happen. Yeah. Well, you're right. They'd have to have record keeping of, I guess of who did not come home. And the reason I phrased it that way, there was a, a reservation in Manitoba who had talked about person X who we don't know what happened to them. And then they actually went through records and found out, oh, okay, this person died in whatever year it was. They were buried in this place. And people were like, oh, whoops. Well, how about this person? And suddenly they're actually finding the names of these loved ones that they had missed who actually had been, you know, tracked and whatnot. So it's, uh, they're starting to fall apart. Some of these narratives, I'm not suggesting for one minute that 
that it's not the case that there are some some you know unmarked graves and that there are a lot of people unaccounted for without question yeah. that's true but yes it is absolutely true and and i don't deny any of that i'm just saying that and like like you know right like i'm just saying that that, that the problem with the media in this country is that we is that the is that the the media doesn't doesn't do any kind of critical thinking any critical analysis any any investigation they they get they get a uh they get a snippet of information and they go oh my god and they just blow it up immediately they don't do any kind of looking into the matter and, and it's happened over and over and over. And and nobody seems to learn their lesson. Because this has happened many, many times where the where the media has been completely wrong about something. And they refuse to correct themselves. And they they refuse to actually look into the matter. And I mean, we've seen this. Uh, like, uh, you remember the Covington High School uh, kid in uh, Washington, D.C.? where there was a picture, a single picture. And he, re he received death threats. He received all kinds of stuff. The, the media, every single media outlet called him a racist, a raging racist, a racist Christian. And in the end, it turned out that it was the other way around. And that he actually showed very... Uh, a very controlled restraint uh, in the situation that he was in, and that it was it, the story wasn't anything. Any, I mean, close to what was being reported. He ended up suing all the media outlets, winning, and the very next thing that happened, the media did it all over again. And this happens in Canada too. And this is one of those situations where this has happened to the Canadian media and they never learn. The media never learns. Yep. That's absolutely true. Yeah. It's, un it's unfortunate. And um, yeah, we're not by any means denying the existence of unmarked graves because I'm sure that there are some around, but yeah, the media completely got it wrong and just blew it out of proportion. It's uh really sad so um what was one other thing you discovered in the media about the kamloops powwow coming up oh yeah this one's interesting the same reserve uh they have i what i believe is at least western canada's biggest powwow it might be canada's biggest powwow and the uh the powwow is coming up in a couple of weeks i believe and they have different categories in their competitions for their dance, their dancing competitions. So they've got, you know, the, uh, uh, there's ma male categories, there's female categories. There's, uh, you have to be at least 25% native to be able to compete in these and to enter into the competitions. Uh, and now because of a handful of people complaining and, blowing it up online they are dropping the male and female categories so if you're uh what is it called a two-spirit 
First Nations person. Oh boy. Or a trans First Nations person, you can now compete in whatever category you want, male or female, because now there are no male and female. And uh and I believe they're also dropping the requirement that you're twenty five percent native. And and I I don't that part I I'm not entirely sure of, but the way the article was written that I read uh, made it sound like they they that 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 requirement might be dropping as well. Which I honestly I have no problem <laughs> with that requirement being in place. Because this is all traditional dance that they've learned throughout their lives at being a native person growing up in native households and uh, learning their culture. I have no problem with that. Uh, and apparently they might be dropping that requirement too, which is crazy considering the people that are calling this uh, exclusionary are the same people who would be screaming at you if you were a white person dressed up in full uh, native regalia and trying to compete in these dancing competitions. That's absolutely true. I mean, they're, uh, and like you pointed out when we had talked before the show, I mean, likely these are guilty white liberal types who are being offended on someone else's behalf which happens so often so now if you are a white person a black person whatever who decides that you identify as indigenous i guess you're in yeah i guess so i mean kind of like you know uh who was it that uh that trump was calling pocahontas Oh, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren could come up here and compete in the dancing competitions now. That's right. Well, she yeah. is one, what was it, one 1,024th Indigenous? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think I'm probably more Indigenous than she is, and yeah. I don't I don't know of any Indigenous history in my family. <laughs> <laughs> and neither does she, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but, Lord. yeah, that's – it. it's 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 like what is going on in this world? I mean – I just don't get it. Well, by trying to preserve everything that's not a Anglo-Saxon tradition in Canada, these morons are destroying everything that's not an Anglo-Saxon tradition in Canada by trying to make everything so woke and so inclusive that you're watering down the message everywhere. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I know this part isn't Canadian, but look at Leah Thomas. I mean, if you know who Leah Thomas is, trans female swimmer that is just destroying all female records. She destroys every female competitor in every swim meet that she's in. Uh, the swimming, the the governing body, the international governing body for swimming has decided that. Uh, trans women are not allowed to compete against naturally born women anymore. And hallelujah. I applaud that. I stand up and I clap above my head like that. That was the greatest 
And, and I hate to say it because it's so uh, cliche to say, but it was a brave move by, by the, uh, the swimming governing body. And, uh, and it was the right one. And, and, and since that announcement, Leah Thomas has been nominated for the NCAA woman of the year. I, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, I, I did read that and I uh, thought this phony makes absolutely zero effort to hide her masculinity. I mean, uh, she hasn't gotten any of the gender transformation surgery. She's just taken the hormone blockers for the necessary two years. Um, one commentator put it, said that, uh, yep, she still swims with a rudder. Uh, interpret that as you will, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, she, um, yeah, she, she has, uh, she, as a male, is ranked 462, I believe, in the world. 462. Yeah. 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 Now, 462 in the world, I'm not going to diminish that. That is, you're elite. Even ranked 462, you are elite. I mean, think about it. There's probably, what, almost 4 billion men on Earth, and you are the 462nd fastest swimmer in the world. Or, Or if you want to look at it as 8 billion people, and you are the 462nd fastest person in the water. That is elite but you are nowhere near winning any race in any competition. And, but as a woman, number one, and it ain't even close. You're number one by a long shot. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a little unfair and I'm glad that the pushback has begun. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to stop. So yeah, they're talking about it in uh, cycling now. The, the cycling governing body is going to uh, do the same thing because there's a woman, uh, a trans woman that is just annihilating the competition. Yeah. Well, good. About time. It, yeah, actually, it is uh, about time. Yeah. And we want to talk competition. That'll actually be a nice segue into our, our last topic of the day. Just within the last week, the, uh, there's suddenly election buzz in the air. Um, Talking about a possibility of a snap federal election in the fall. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that the people that are suggesting this are really underestimating Pierre Polyev's appeal. Uh, I think because let's be real, Pierre Polyev is gonna win this, uh, barring some I don't know, some unexpected freak incident, Pierre Polyev is going to win this. I believe he is sitting at 48% support on the first ballot uh, by, by according to the latest polling data. Uh, so, I mean, there's a chance he wins this on the first ballot. If not on the first ballot, he definitely wins on the second ballot. And... Uh, the talk is is that Justin Trudeau will call an election as soon as the leadership of the Conservative Party is uh, 
settled so that Canadians don't get a chance to get to know the conservative leader. And if that happens, I don't believe it will. But if it happens, I believe it backfires this time. I'm with you. Actually, um, I'm with you on both those fronts. I don't believe it's going to happen either. I don't actually know who's, you know, was the first one to suggest it might. Justin Trudeau's popularity is right now at an all-time low. And I know that doesn't mean a lot because his popularity hasn't been great and he's managed to win two minority governments. But I don't think even he is arrogant and narcissistic enough to think that he can possibly win an election given the inflation situation, given the housing market, given the fact that 70% of us are unsure how we're going to pay our bills. Like there's just too many factors working against Justin Trudeau. Even if it's not fair that he wears some of the, these uh, inflationary issues, he does wear them as far as I'm concerned, but you're right. I mean, uh, Pierre Polyev will most likely win. Voting has already begun, by the way, I have my ballot. I haven't sent it in yet, but Pierre Polyev is likely to be the next conservative leader and people already know him because he's been an MP since 2004. He's the most active MP on social media. He's drawing people by the thousands to his rallies right now. So if some strategist thinks that Canadians don't know who Pierre Polyev is, they got to give their head a shake. Yeah. And honestly, I think that if, if Trudeau wants uh, his best shot at winning against him. Um, it's the, the liberals need time to paint him as a racist. They can't just, I mean, I mean I'm not saying he is a racist. We just know that no. this is, this is the liberal party move. Exactly. It, it's the, it's the liberal party move every single time the conservatives have a new leader. So they need time to paint him as a racist. And, and they can't do that in 30 days. I mean, you can try, but it's not really long enough, right? Like, so, but here's the thing. Trudeau might also be looking at this going, okay, the inflation is not going to get better for a long time. It's in fact, it's probably going to get worse uh, in, in the, in the, uh, in the next little while. Uh, bankruptcies and home foreclosures are going to skyrocket starting like next year. And so his best chance at winning is sooner rather than later. But here's the thing. Chances are, he's just going to win another minority. If, if he does win, if he does win, he's getting a minority. He's, he's definitely not getting a majority. And it's probably going to be a smaller minority than what he's got now. And which will give Jagmeet Singh even more power. And if there's anyone in Canada after Justin Trudeau that I don't want to have power in this country, it's Jagmeet Singh because he's a dumbass. And yeah. so I think I think Justin Trudeau's best chance at winning another election is this fall. But what does it actually uh, achieve if you still ha- he-, he still has what three years? 
Yeah. Yeah, he still has three years. So even if he wins this fall, that only makes it four years. Like, really. I mean, and in the next election, you're not, he's not winning. It doesn't matter who runs against him. He is not winning in three or four years from now because the home foreclosures are going to be off the charts. The bankruptcies are going to be off the charts. The inflation is, is going to still be uh, ridiculously high. Like it's, this is a problem that what we're coming up to this right now, like what we're going into right now, like I firmly believe we're already in a recession. Um, what we're, what we're coming into right now is not going to be over in three years. This is, this is going to be a massive economic and financial, uh, uh, problem for the next like five, six years at least. So he doesn't have a chance of winning the next election in three years. He just doesn't. So I don't understand what what calling an election this fall will achieve. There's one thing, and Trudeau is narcissistic enough to go for it on this one thing, he wants to be the first prime minister to win four elections. And maybe that would be enough for him to trigger the election. Everything you just said is absolutely right, by the way. And that's why I think it's not going to happen. But I do believe that uh, his ego is big enough that not only did he get a dumb and dumber haircut, by the way, and looks a lot like Jim Carrey, but I think his ego is big enough that that he might just think, if I can win a fourth election, I get to go down in history. Well, you're still going to go down in history as the worst prime minister ever, dumbass. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just shocking to me that people still even vote for him. I mean, that there's anybody left that still votes for him. It's just shocking to me. Oh yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I don't don't get it at all. So um I guess we'll we'll wrap the show up on this topic. So it's prediction time. Do you think we're gonna get that election this fall, Lewis? No. Nope, I'm uh I'm I'm on the same page as you. I I don't see it happening. I just think that if Trudeau himself isn't smart enough to realize the absolute horrible timing on this, the people around him have gotta be smart enough to say that. Yeah, you're probably not going to win, so just don't do it. Yeah, the the only thing is that I'm going to say is that, is that Tony and I have been wrong every single time about <laughs> Justin Trudeau. That's true. Yes. So uh, the the so- the only thing that we've ever been right about with Justin Trudeau is what an idiot and a disaster he has been as leader. We've we've called that from day one, and we've we've been right about that, but. We have been wrong about Justin Trudeau in every other way possible. So if you're going to put money on, on, on what we just said, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Now that is very good advice. Yeah. (laughs) So you heard it here first, no fall election, but please don't bet on it. Yeah. All right, Canada, we're going to wrap it up there. So we do want to thank you for joining us. We hope that the audio for the rest of the show was just as good as our 
test before the show. And, um, well, if not, I'm sure we'll hear about it, and we want to. So uh, until next week, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in B.C. Good night. Good night, Canada.